Hi everyone, welcome to the show. Make sure you go get yourself a Untitled Car Show official t-shirt from TrackMonkeyApparel.com. They are going to be printed. They are available uh, until Friday this week. So if you are interested in getting one and supporting the show, that's the best way to do it. Uh, I would really appreciate it. Thanks everyone so much for uh, all the support, all the kindness, and you know making this thing a reality. So make sure you go check out trackmarketapparel.com and get yourself a t-shirt. You're listening to the Untitled Car Show in partnership with lightfootdown.com. Visit lightfootdown for your daily automotive fix. If you enjoyed today's program, please tell a friend. It's the best way to support this show. If you want to visit the archives, go to YouTube and search for Untitled Car Show. That'll bring you to the archived episodes. If you want to follow the show, just search for Untitled Car Show on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can always send an email to the show at untitledcarshow at rightfootdown.com. We're so glad you decided to spend the next hour or so with us. Without further ado, let's get into today's program. Thank you for joining us this evening. I have a husband and wife duo, the uh, first on the show. It's uh, Megan and uh, Jim, because apparently we're friends, uh, Hodgson. Uh, they are... The <laughs> I know, it, it's just fun. Uh, the... Uh, they work over at a cross-threaded, which is a YouTube series and a podcast. Um, they've had some great guests on themselves, and then they have this wonderful little banter between themselves on episodes um, where you get to hear about wonderful ideas like, I think a few episodes ago, James, you were trying to basically invent tractor racing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, but it's 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 it exists. I mean, you know, if you put a motor and a seat and a wheel on something, and there are two of them, then somebody's going to race them. This is this is true. And I, I was I was sitting there, and I had the little one in the car when that episode was on, and we're driving around, and it was like, I think he just because you're trying to come up with a cheap method of uh, doing wheel to wheel racing, like out in a field with low low horsepower vehicles. I'm like. Isn't that tractor racing? Isn't that exactly what tractor racing is? <laughs> yeah, but there's so the torque is so high on those. I mean, you you know, mm-hmm. like with a with a proper tractor, you got to be careful not to do a wheel stand and throw the whole thing over on you. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe not tractor. What is it? The little like ride on lawnmower racing. I think that's what I'm talking about. It might like I. Yeah, well, I'm down with that too. Yeah, all would be fun. Yeah, but you get great ideas like that, and then. Uh, Megan, I, I can, like, feel as a, a fellow married, uh, you know, individual, I can, like, feel the eye rolling through the audio, which is what is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so, um, I mean, a lot of people, they talk about, you know, uh, getting their significant other into, uh, you know, cars, automobiles. So, uh, Megan, how did you get James into automobiles, exactly? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> like doing stuff together we like doing things with our hands and 
when um, when he moved in with me, I, I have a two-car garage, and I only had one car, so he thought we needed more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now they're stacked up in the driveway. Right. and We have to weave. We have to back out and weave through the cars to get out of the driveway. Yeah. I'm trying to, yeah, there's a lot of projects. I'm trying to cut them down, but, you know, it's tough. Well, isn't that how it works is every time you try and cut down on a project, like you list something for sale and then you end up with another project. That's just kind of the perpetual cycle. Yeah, it never ends. Yeah, he kept saying that he wanted to do something like this, um, you know, to do an excess bed that he he been wanting to do it for a really long time, and I just said, well, let's do it then. We have the time, we have the space, so the only thing that's lacking is money, but who needs that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the one, you can always have these great experiences of building a car. You can never, you can always make more money. You can't uh, get back the time wasted not having a, a roll cage car. So, like, why did you decide to go, for, for those of you who are listening, uh, Kind of the way I found out about it was like Jalopnik did an article on you a little while ago where you were building the Exonet. I think um, I saw that I saw an article somewhere written about you all building this vehicle together, and it was huh. I watched the videos, uh, and I think it's like really cool to see you kind of working together on a vehicle like this, and like you also got a couple other projects going on with it. But I'm kind of you know very curious as to why and. I, I'm going to mispronounce this about eight different ways, but an exonet. How do you pronounce it? Ex, exonet? Exoset. Exoset, yeah. Exoset. See, that's not going to... My, like, weird Illinois, Chicago, like, <laughs> thing doesn't let that kind of, like, ex, exonet. So as I... as I Exoset? Exoset. Exo... Yeah, yeah. Exoset. Yeah, that's not going to stick around for long. So why did you decide <laughs> to build an exoset? Yeah, see... Um, well, it, um, the kit had some maturity on it, you know, by which I mean it wasn't fresh out of the shed, so it had some developmental sort of revision. Um, they're, they're out of here in Atlanta, so, uh, you know, we got to meet the people who run the company before we ever spent any money with them, and they got a great vibe, um, and that that their their company philosophy is reflected in the owners group and the owners group is a really welcoming place they're they're really cool folks and uh, we as we were sort of looking at it, thinking about buying the car we started talking to these folks and uh, they're showing us their cars and we're meeting them and 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 being friends with these people and it's just like uh, you know it's like a cool community so there's there's all that going on and then you know, numbers-wise, um, it's hard to beat the cost of the kit. I mean, it's 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 way cheaper than uh, uh, any of the uh, Factory Five. You know, we were thinking about the eight one eight. We looked at that, the eight one eight R, and it's a really cool kit. And people, you know, people get those to be really really fast. Um, but I don't think the fit and finish on the kit is anywhere near where the Exoset is. That's just my opinion. Not, you know, not having built an 818, I don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, with a Miata, you know, it's all Miata running gear, so I mean, a brake rotor is 20 bucks. <laughs> I mean, it's, so, and 
plus you got all these people racing in spec Miata. So if we wanted to buy slicks, you know, they're, they're cheap because so many people race them. I mean, the platform is so well trodden that you're not going to run into any problem that somebody else hasn't figured out 50 ways to Sunday. You know, I mean, it's, uh, there, there are a lot of reasons that, that it makes a really good. And I also, I just like the slow car fast, uh, philosophy you know, keep the weight down. You don't need 500 horsepower if the car weighs 1,500 pounds, you know? True. I guess it's a bit of having your cake and eating it, too, because it's a it's an exotic-looking vehicle once it's all said and done. It's something no one else is going to have. It's cheap to run, cheap to maintain, and, you know, fun to drive around. And if you really wanted to, you could daily drive it, not that it has a roof that you would want to do that. Um, but... You know, the fuel mileage, I'm sure you take, what, like 500 pounds off a Miata? How much weight are you saving over a stock Miata, roughly? It's getting up toward 800 pounds off oh, a stock wow. Miata. Wow. I mean, so, a stock Miata is neighborhood of 2,300 pounds, and the Exocet is neighborhood of 1,500 pounds. So, I mean, really, really the mileage has got to be better, too. So, there's all sorts of benefits to it. Now, you do kind of lose niceties like windshields and doors but um <laughs> yeah <laughs> you who needs those anyway so um i'm curious like do you have a, a plan for the ec so let me try this again exo set after uh you get it all done i think we agree that it'll never be done <laughs> yeah um <laughs> well there you go. my my suggestion is going to be um you got to take it to like a fancy restaurant and see if they let you like leave it parked out front. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. That is a good idea. Mm -hmm. I like that one. Yeah. See, all um, all my good ideas are for other people. That's how it works. That just crap <laughs> ideas for myself. Well, it's easy just to tell somebody else what they should do, right? Easier, much easier than actually implementing change for yourself. Well, yeah, it, there's Not no follow through on my half, so. Right. Yeah. Uh. We should try that. <laughs> you, you need you need a little buck slip. So um, the let, let's kind of rewind here. So you know, obviously there was a passion for cars on both of your ends uh, before you met and fell in love. I would imagine, or is this something that you kind of got each other into as you went along? Yeah, no, Jim. Jim's definitely more into cars in the traditional sense i mean i like cars and i like i like driving fast and i like working on stuff i mean it's um it's i love the sound of a, a nicely tuned engine goodness but um jim that i wouldn't have done this without jim <laughs> <I'm being> um, <laughs> yeah well you know she grew up working on you know cars with her dad and stuff i mean her 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 dad and i get along really well because he's um He's sort of a hands-on, fix-it kind of guy, so we um, we have a good relationship. And I mean, he, he, you know, I think I think she sort of grew up doing doing stuff with her hands, working on stuff. And um, when you know, sort of, I came along and was like, "Hey, let's let's attack this big project." It was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Mm -hmm. And I'll also say, you know, after I we put Megan in a race car for the first time, and she, you know, got to drive on a track. Um, as I recall, her first words after getting out of the car, her first time ever, 
wheel to reel racing was something along the lines of, you know, I noticed if I went to the corners really hot, I could drift all four wheels at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, no problem. You know, I mean, how do you? How, what what more can you ask for than that? I mean, that's that's just that's a race car driver right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that needed to be in the vows, I think, like four wheel yeah. drifting in the vows. <laughs> Yeah, missed opportunity. Yeah, we totally missed that one too. Yeah, we talked about getting married at Road Atlanta. Um, that was in the talks when we were when we were picking uh, marriage locations, but you know, I, I imagine that would have been cheap. I mean, that's, that's yeah, because well, yeah, apparently they've done it uh, a couple times, but um, you know, it would feel weird to me to be you know like inviting my family and everybody to come and be with us on our special day and then. I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm trying to get in as much track time in as I can. <laughs> that seems rude. Mm-hmm. Plus, what's the point of having an open bar if you're trying to get out on the track? That just seems counterproductive. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, they definitely are at odds with one another for sure. Mm-hmm. So then, Jim, you got into racing at a young age yourself. Did You said, Megan, you had... A dad who was a wrencher kind of laid that baseline. So, Jim, did you have kind of the same thing? Were you kind of born into it, or was this something you grew up into? No. My my dad could not care less about uh, cars at all. He liked, you know, well, I say that, but he kind of liked Volvos. He's got he's got a soft spot for Volvos. Smart man. Um, yeah. Oh, I was just, I'm, speaking of which, I noticed that the Untitled Car Show sticker appears to be a 740 wagon. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had one of those. I, I had a Volvo, an 82, uh, and I bought it for $300, drove it for a year, and sold it for $300. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the story of Volvo ownership is once you get in, you can just perpetuate uh, yeah. like the money you put in and get out of it. I don't know how that's that great. works. Yeah. So. But, no, like my dad, you know, he, he – my grandfather did. He liked trucks, but he didn't. He didn't really. He didn't really do anything with them. My dad doesn't. You know, my mom never really cared about. You know, I was always into Porsches when I was a kid, and I would say, you know, my mom would come home from work at the end of the day, and she would say, "I saw a Porsche today," and I would say, "Well, what was it? You know, like 911? What did you know? What did you see?" And she would say, "Well, it was white." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like. So like she was trying to connect with me on that on that level, but she just just didn't didn't quite she get it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, anything else? So no, nobody nobody really in my family was into cars at all. I had to like I had to get myself into it. Hmm. So I mean, like, do you think it was like? Because I feel like everyone gets into it either from a mechanical or an aesthetic appreciation, and then because you don't really fall in love with driving until. You're actually able to drive, and by that point, most of us have already kind of decided we like cars or not, you know. Right. Um, so, do you think it was like more of a mechanical or more of an aesthetic thing that got you into it? I, you know, at the risk of, of uh, escaping your um, see, sort it's got to uh, be difficult. Right, we're, we're back to <laughs> yeah. James. Okay, James, what is it then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, I remember like I had a. Um, I had some Ferrari model cars when I was a kid that I thought was awesome. I had like a 250 a GTB or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I had a remote control Ferrari F40 that I was totally in love with. Um, you know, 
uh, Lamborghini posters, Ferrari Testarossa posters. You know, I was born in 74, so the 80s were, were kind of when I was really, really starting to get sort of into cars. And I, I just uh, I don't really know where it came from other than cars are awesome, you know. <laughs> I get it. We all know it. It, it. It's one of those things where you just kind of you're drawn to it, and you can't. I, 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 I've had a few of those people on the show too, where it's like I don't know why, but it's just it became part of who who you are, and that's kind of like it just overtakes you. So, uh, well, you know, to be honest with you, though, the, for me, it's about I just like going. I, I just I want to go. Hmm. You know, I, I, I like riding bikes. Uh, I, I mean. Any anything that that worth going, I, I just I like going. Yeah. So I think that's what I really like about cars is like we're going somewhere. Yeah. The the <laughs> great emancipator of or emancipator of the populace. You know, it, before cars, it took forever to get like coast to coast, and then now it can only take a couple days. You know, it's it's freedom, like personified or mechanicalized or yeah. however. Yeah. I guess not personified because it's a car, and that's not how that works. But uh, <laughs> another well, word, someone else. If you some... want to anthropomorphize? That's that's up to you. Yeah, but the eyeballs go in the headlights. That's how that works. Not this windshield nonsense. So <laughs> right, exactly. I got I got hard feelings about that. So, um, Megan, I'm curious because um, my wife is also a nurse, and she got into the profession. She started off as a ambulance driver back in the day she's like with a volunteer fire department was there any wow. of that in your past like because that's why my wife likes going well that's why my wife can drive fast is because she used to drive the ambulance with the big old siren did you have any of that in your background before you got into that race car or was like the first time you like drove in anger was in a lemons car no i had um first time i drove in anger was probably my honda civic <laughs> <laughs> There's a great um, hill going up to a train track in town where I grew up, and me, I would jump it with my friends in my Honda Civic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, I used to do that. I had an 87 Bronco that I would jump. So there's... I'm not dead. (laughs) You know, as far as Georgia goes, I think there's like a law there where you have to like, jump something and like pretend to be the duke boys no matter like where you're from is that like written somewhere and like you know like you get that like letter at the dmv like don't forget you're legally obligated to jump like a railroad track or like a ravine at least once every decade is that somewhere written (laughs) (laughs) yeah well she's from south carolina not alabama but yeah i mean uh um for sure the dukes of hazard figured figured highly um, and I was so devastated when I read – I remember being a kid and reading somewhere in a magazine or something that they had so many different um, – I guess that was a Charger or Challenger? Charger, yeah. But they had, they had you know, like 12 different cars, the General Lee. And yep. that, that – I, I, I felt so, like, betrayed that they would have multiple numbers of that car – because I mean, it, it makes perfect sense now. I mean, how else? You know, you can't wreck it. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. So, well, uh, but it's I, almost I like finding Santa Claus isn't real. Like, what? It's more than one car. Right. Like, no. Yeah. yeah. It's more than one car. Santa's more than one person. It's <laughs> absurd. How dare they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's true. So, 
Yeah, I remember the first time I found out about that, I was like, what? Like, it, it, it's heartbreaking for some we- weird, strange reason. So, yeah. Yeah. So then what were, what was your first car for uh, both of you? Like. Want to go first? No. No. Uh, I had it was an '87 Bronco. Um, mm. uh, it was it was hanging around where my dad worked, and I think it was kind of like it's too busted for anybody else to want to be seen in it. And uh, my dad was like, "What if I give you guys a couple bucks for this thing and I give it to my kid?" And they're like, "Yeah." And uh, that's how I ended up with it. And it had some bad overheating problems. Um. Mm. Had a man, the power steering pump whined like you wouldn't believe. Um, but like I said, I was just going. I just loved going, and mm-hmm. uh, I was so excited to get that thing. And now, I just I loved it, and yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as first cars go, that's a pretty good one, you know, Bronco. You know, enough room in the back for maybe some high school shenanigans. But how did it? Because <laughs> Because they all meet an unfortunate end. Every first car seems to, you know, end up in a ravine or end up, you know, broken or overheated on the side of the road. So I'm curious, how did it meet its unfortunate demise? I sold it. Oh, uh, you just proved me wrong yeah. on everything today. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I hate to touch the bubble, but there weren't any shenanigans either. I was utterly repulsive. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I sold it to a girl that I went to school with and her dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, you know what? As a part of that transaction, that was the first time I'd ever sold a car. And my dad made me – it wasn't like – he was like, okay, if you're going to sell this thing, you're going to go and do it yourself. You're going to handle the sale. And um, the it was like a dad and his daughter, and he brought her along, and he was like – he he was showing her how to look at a used car when you're thinking about buying it. You know, like you need to look at – you know, if you open the hood and there's oil splashing everywhere, then you probably got a problem, you know? And, yeah. like, they looked over the car, and I learned a lot. I still remember that day. Like, I, I learned – he was there to teach his daughter how to buy a used car, but I ended up learning something from him about it. <laughs> um, it was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I, you know, sometimes you learn stuff on accident, and it kind of sticks with you because, you know, it's something a little different when it's someone – Basically, I mean, I can't really imagine that position. So you're learning from the person who's basically trying to lowball you on the price of a vehicle that you're trying to sell to them. So I guess you would be paying attention regardless of what they were saying to them. But if it's stuff you need to learn, all the better. So, yeah, well, I mean, he was like, yeah, like I said, he was showing her and, uh, you know, he was he, he wasn't really he wasn't trying to, to be shrewd with me. He was he was being honest. And, and I, I, I do the same thing when I buy a used car now. It's like. I'm not, I'm not trying to get away with anything sneaky, but, you know, if I can feel that the wheel bearing's gone, then I think we agree that I can't pay you, you know, full dollar for a car that's going to need wheel bearings in the next hundred miles. You know. Yeah. Yeah, those wheel bearings are overrated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Only. Actually, no, I've never had them go out on a car yet, and so knock on wood on that one. So, uh, Megan. Well, I got a Subaru Forester I can sell you. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one you blew a head gasket in, or is that the uh, a different Forester? It's 
Yeah, we got it for we got it cheap because it had already popped its head gaskets. Mm-hmm. Plural. Yeah, because yeah, boxer engine, so fun. Right. So yeah, yeah, I was very confused because I saw it on your channel where I saw here's a Subaru Forester with a blown head gasket. I was like, how did that come to be? Like, how do you blow a head gasket in a Forester besides? You know, the fact that it was made by Fuji Heavy Industries and uh, Boxer right. Engine, so it's just going to blow a head gasket regardless. It wasn't anything silly. It was just kind of normal wear and tear. I think really it's it's aggrandizement to call it a blown head gasket. I, I, it's just that, you know, mm-hmm. it's a Boxer Engine, so they sit there on their side, and over days and months and years, eventually it just starts to leak and mm-hmm. because they didn't have a very good steel, and, you know, um, I guess eventually just the heating and cooling and heating and cooling and the, the, the liquids sitting there in the, the cylinder eventually work their way out. And uh, once there's a pathway, then, you know, you're losing compression and oil is leaking out and going everywhere and nasty. Yeah. Well, I, I blew two head gaskets in one car in less than a couple months, so... Uh... I, I, I feel your pain on replacing those. Those things are uh, not fun to deal with um, oh, at God. all. Yeah. I'm no. not doing that again. No. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. I mean, it seems like such an easy thing. You just got to get in and replace one gasket. How hard could it be? And then it turns into a living nightmare. And then there's oil all over the garage. And you're crying. And your wife is just shaking her head at you like, what did you do? Like, <laughs> Or is that just me? Is yeah, that just, just you? Yeah. yeah, and that was the first afternoon. Yeah, and it was like two weeks getting the thing back together. Mm-hmm. Somehow getting it apart is always easier than getting it back together. Maybe that's my organizational system problem. But <laughs> enough enough of my shortcomings. So, so uh, Megan, what was your first car that you got? You drove, I suppose. It was a '85 Civic hatchback, manual transmission, um, and it met its demise when I lent it to my brother and he drifted it off an embankment and rolled it mm-hmm. upside yeah. down. Oops. And then he and his friends got out and flipped it back over and drove it away, but all of the oil had run out of the engine, so it really did blow a head gasket then. Yeah. So, is your brother still with us, or did he meet an unfortunate <laughs> ending in an embankment? So, no, I, yeah, I don't know how he has made it all these years, but he is still alive. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You haven't got him back for that then, I suppose. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> I really can't imagine, because that's your first car. How long did you have it before we put it in the ditch? I got it when I was, um, my mom was a nurse too, and she worked the evening shift, so I got my driving license pretty early. Um, I guess actually I got it right when I was 16. Um, so I, and I had the car for a couple of years before that. I was, it was just waiting for me, I guess, in the driveway. Mm. Um, and then I drove it until I was 20. Mm. And then got so put into an embankment. Yeah. 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 So I mean, like, side. I mean, so you, you formed an emotional attachment with this car. It's your first taste of freedom, and then your brother puts it into a ditch. I mean, like, not not to bring bring up old wounds, but like, <laughs> I was really upset. Yeah. I was I was a college student, and that was my way to get to um, 
clinicals. I was in nursing school, and suddenly I, you know, I had no car, and I still had to get clinical. So I was in a little bit of a, little, I was really mad. <laughs> I suppose if he was borrowing your car, that meant he had no car in which Correct. to give you. Yeah, so. Mm. Correct. Mm. So then what was the scramble to get after that? Oh, my God. I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. It was a green Dodge Neon. <laughs> it was this horrible, horrible green neon thing. <laughs> was it that? It was so ugly, though. Yeah. But it was so ugly. Was it that, like, weird pastel they put on neons for a bit? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It looks like a driving Easter egg. I know which one you're talking about. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely a step up from the Civic at that point. It was, that's it, honey. Jim just found it on the internet. I think it's for sale. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but it had air conditioning and uh, it had a radio and my my um, Civic had a boombox seat belted <laughs> into the passenger seat for the radio. Um, <laughs> so that was a little bit nicer, I'll admit. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, having a radio, I guess no one would, you know, because Civics always get stuff stolen out of them. Radio's a big one. So that makes sense. I didn't even, I was like, I was expecting the Bronco to have the boombox stereo, not the Civic, but. <laughs> yeah, it did. I had a, I had a boombox in there. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, I've I've never now my Volvo for a while had no radio, but I just had, you know, I was in a day and age where I could just put you know headphones in. I've never experienced a boombox, uh, quote unquote, head unit. Um, so maybe I should try that. Out. You're always running through your D cell batteries, <laughs> Ds or Cs. Yeah. And you know, back in the day, they took like 18 D cell batteries. Yeah, this one took six. It was kind of small, but it um. I didn't have it strapped in very well one day and had to brake quickly, and it tumbled and lost a lot of its buttons. Oh, uh, poo-poo. <laughs> so, Tales of woe. Yeah, so do you think the uh, living with some vehicles that had, uh, you know, such wonderful uh, equipment as uh, boombox head units uh, kind of endeared you to the, because you both take part in the 24 Hours of Lemons racing, right? We do. Do you think that kind of like gave you the appreciation of um, let's call them craptacular vehicles, or is this something you got into just because of it's really probably one of the cheapest ways to get into wheel to wheel racing? I just think Lemons is awesome. I yeah. love those craptacular cars. I think that they're they're so creative and everybody's just no racing environment I've ever been in is, is fun and so much camaraderie as a, as a lemons race. I mean, everybody's will wrench on your car and then we'll go over and wrench on my car and mm -hmm. we're going to have a great time doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's the community then that kind of drew you into it. So I'm, I'm curious who came up with the idea first to go out lemons racing. Jim was on a team. Oh. Um, when I first met him, and then uh, I joined the team the next year, or maybe even, yeah, I think the next year, mm -hmm. and then um, that team ended, and we joined
joined another one closer to home. Um, and now, yeah, we've been on that team for a few years now. Excellent. So it's, I mean, I've done, I haven't been to a lemons race yet. It's on my list of, you know, stuff to do. Um, I'm should be on the short list. It, it is yeah. on the short list. Um, I, I've met two apparently very um, renowned lemons racers in the area, so I have no excuse now. I gotta work with the team. But I'm curious, why didn't we see you in the Lemons Rally last year over here on the East Coast? Well, um, because we can't take a week off. I mean, uh, oh. kids got to get to school. Megan's got to get to work. Um, there's just no way. Uh, I mean, we would have. I. I, I I would have considered it. I mean, there's, there's, I would have been into doing it, but it's just, uh, it would be a massive scheduling thing for us. And, you know, as much as we love motorsport and, and racing and stuff, at a certain point, we have to ask ourselves, do we really want to have, I mean, we can't, we can't be checking kids out of school so that we can go race. That's just not going to work. You know? <laughs> like, they got to get an education. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, that was our that was the biggest thing. I would argue that a kid can learn more broken down on the side of the road than they can in a classroom. Uh, maybe something like that. Uh, that might be true, but I don't know that the law sees it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't just be pulling your kids out of school. All the time. Uh, that, not work. Pesky we got line. married last year too, so um, we had a lot going on last year, and, and it it wasn't even something that we talked about doing. Mm. Well, hopefully yeah. you, you got to take part because I took part in it last year. It's absolutely phenomenal. And I need to get out and do a race. Um, I know there's a couple coming up here. I got to talk to the two local teams I know now and try and figure out how to get myself in that as well. But, um, you know, it's kind of like the thing is like I, I can appreciate the uh, scheduling thing because, again, my wife's a nurse and I know how hectic her schedule is. And then you know, trying to shoehorn my busy-ass schedule into doing all this stuff, it does get kind of difficult. So, you know, and I'm just really doing this and a little bit of YouTube stuff, and you got a YouTube series, and you got the uh, podcast going on. So, like, how did, I mean, is the excuse the podcast just so you'd have, like, an hour of uninterrupted from the kids' time together every week? Is that kind of how it got started? No, we, you know, we really like hanging out with them at the risk of sounding like boring old people. Uh, we really like hanging out with the kids. And we try to include them as much as they're willing to be included in car stuff. Um, and in a few of our videos. Yeah, it's just they, they're they 13 and 10, so cars don't necessarily mean a lot to them just yet. Um, but, um, you know, um, we've kind of been letting the YouTube slide just summertime has been so busy we've been all over the place and you know traveling and kids have been going to camp and stuff like that so um we haven't recorded a video in a while but we need we're we're, we're gonna get back around to it mm -hmm. um i um my plan for this summer was for us to do a video a week and we kind of started that with the uh the head gasket the forester head gasket situation but it's just been too much work and i haven't it's it's um between that and, and normal work and trying to do, uh, you know, we got our automotive podcast and I also do a writer's podcast and uh, it's just too much stuff. So I'm kind of reorganizing at the moment. Yeah, believe me, I but, feel that pain on, on all that. Like, I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this every week from now on. And then 
Uh, life gets yeah. in the way sometimes. So, but really, we started the podcast because I I don't know if you'll I didn't know of the Untitled Car Show at the time. So you'll excuse <laughs> me for saying this, but I didn't know of a podcast that really like an automotive podcast that had the um, the sort of aesthetic that we have, which is you know it it bothers me when I hear people in the car industry say things like. Well, you know, this car only costs forty-five thousand dollars, so it's pretty inexpensive. I mean, that blows my mind. Like, for forty-five thousand dollars, I'm 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 gonna be have I'm gonna have like ten cars. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have a lot of track time, or I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy something for ten, and do a lot of track days that year and a lot of racing. You know, and so we're trying to we're we want to explore that sort of low buck type of thing and also reach out to some people who are real racing drivers like uh, Sarah Montgomery was a, a, a racing driver who agreed to be on the cast early in the show yeah, the videos are, are fun and but they they didn't um, provide any opportunity to have the guests or talk about automotive news the way we wanted to do and um, so yeah so the, the podcast just seemed like it was a um something a little bit simpler than a video to put on mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. and you, you know it's a little bit it, it's easier to consume a podcast than it is a video mm-hmm. of the same length because you don't have to sit and watch a podcast yeah so, you can be driving to work or mm-hmm. you know working on your own car clean your house yeah whatever you want yeah, not cleaning house but <laughs> Well, that's kind of what I find why I enjoy podcasting as well is because it, it's the only thing where you can be enjoying the hobby of being an automotive enthusiast and actually consume media at the same time, whether you're working on the car or driving the car. Um, and what I really like about yours, and this is the time of the uh, podcast where I blow a bunch of smoke up your ass, but I really do mean it. Um, Please. Our asses are ready. Yeah. <laughs> So now we're back to Jim, the, 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 a good friend Jim and Megan here. No, it's um, uh, you you two have a wonderful dynamic together. It's really, I remember early on I was talking with um, some folks there, some folks out in the ether about like in the podcast business about like should you do it with like a co-host and you know what do you talk about and like how do you get a good dynamic in. Years ago at this point I had a co-host, my good friend Proc. And we were doing everything well, but it was hard to get, you know, schedules to line up. And, you know, it's hard to get in a, it's hard for both people to be kind of like chipper and ready to go at the same time. And really, when I listen to your podcast, I feel, you know, you're both so happy to be on and be talking. And I enjoy it when you both get to do interviews. I, I like the dynamic you both have with each other. It's so... You can really feel the love. It's it's adorable, to be perfectly honest. Um, I mean, and it's you know, it's what the community really needs too, because it is a different perspective. Like a lot of other podcasts, it's very male centric, and you know, this is the smoking. Not to get on Matt Fair too much, but you know, this is the smoking tire, and we're going to sit around, we're going to talk cars while we drink beers, and like testosterone, and it's fun, or like you know. Adam Carolla has his show, and it's very of a particular point of view. And with you two, you get what the majority of automotive enthusiasts really are, which is 
you're probably married, you're probably a man or a woman, there's some people in between, I suppose, but, you know, you're, you're enjoying this as kind of a family bonding time, and you really get, like, you know, this is a podcast I can put on with my wife, and she gets it, I can put on with my daughter, and she gets it, even though she's two and a half, she really doesn't get much of anything, but it's... <laughs> Her other favorite podcast is Peas, Screamed Peas. <laughs> It's it's such a fun dynamic. It's it's so fun listening to you too. And you guys do a wonderful job interviewing people. Um, you know, I wish there was a little bit more interviews where it wasn't just Jim talking to some people. You know, uh, maybe we need to get some Megan alone with some people too, or the two of you together some more. Um, but I really do enjoy it, and I do think it's you know, as someone who consumes a bunch of podcasts, you know, between what I do and as my hobby, and kind of this as kind of a somewhat of a job thing. Um, you do feel fill this niche that really is needed in the automotive community, and I really do enjoy. I have to say, I enjoyed the podcast a little bit more than the YouTube stuff, but I really enjoyed the YouTube stuff too. So, um, if someone's listening and you're like, "How do I kind of slowly slide my uh, you know significant other into this automotive hobby?" This is this would be a good way to find some good episodes and put them on and just kind of be like. Look, they do it together. Why don't we go out and try and build a, a cage Miata? Like, why not, sweetie? It's if they yeah. can do it, we can do it. You know? yeah. yeah, we addressed that directly in a in a video. Like, how do I get my significant other into working on cars? Yeah, uh, our top questions we get. People ask that all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think the answer was chloroform and handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put the oil filter back on, and I'll let you go. Like, ah, no. Um. Yes. <laughs> Negativity and uh, pressure. You want to do a lot of, be as negative as possible. Add a lot of pressure to the situation. Yeah. Uh, shouting. Oh, yeah, shouting. Uh, yeah. Shouting is good. good. Yeah, you want to put on a lot of, like, very, very intense heavy metal music. <laughs> and if you could do it during the very most uncomfortable weather, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. That's a lovely little taste of what the podcast you two put together is. It, it, it's it's charming. I, I I don't know. Like it's it, it's it's definitely something you don't. I, I can't quite distill it and crystallize it. Um, like the word I'm exactly looking for, but it's it's charming. It's it's wholesome. It's it, it's yeah, no problem. It, you know it's it's wonderful. So I mean. I don't know, like, do you think, is this something, because that's the other thing, too, is you're only, uh, I, I just had the, the the count in front of me, and now I put it down, because I'm, and I don't mean this to be kind of a disparity, you're 27 episodes in, and you have this wonderful, like, back and forth between the two of you, and obviously, it helps that you're a married couple, but you, you seem very comfortable in front of the microphone, like, you know, for both of you, you kind of have already fallen into, you know, how this whole thing works, like, do you... Did you have experience doing anything like this beforehand, or is this something that has just come really naturally to both of you? Well, this is like I, I, this is my fourth podcast, I think. Um, you know, I have a performance background, so I sort of understand recording and microphones, and I have a bunch of all that stuff. Um, you know, I was in my first play when I was in sixth grade. 
uh, had the lead role in the school play. <laughs> and I mean, I was in theater, stand-up comedy, you know, uh, I was a musician for a number of years, you know, uh, you know, did that professionally. So I have a, a lot of performance uh, in my background. And as for Megan, I just make her do it. <laughs> it's not true. I mean, make no, but you know, it's I always I have to tell myself if you suck, everyone will think you suck. So you better do it good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that but, makes you know, sense. Being good on mic is all about just like relaxing and not and and not really caring so much. Um, and um, I think it's really good at it. Well, I do think, um, you know, part of that is, you know, the nursing background, because my wife has a lot of that, too, of just like, you know, unless people are dying around you, nothing's really that serious, you know, um, like, I don't know what your particular, like, speciality is. She's a critical care nurse, so maybe it's a little bit more of that into her than uh, some of the other nursing professions, but it's like, as long as people aren't dead it's a nice relaxing day, you know? Um, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so airways good. Nobody's bleeding out. We're, we're okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, um, kind of lost, but, Oh, this is, this is why I wanted to go. So, um, completely changing the topic. Uh, why Crocs? <laughs> you know, about Crocs, I'm really sorry for people that they're, they're sort of bound by, you know, what's ridiculous about Crocs is everybody hates Crocs. Everybody wants to hate on Crocs, and they're like an easy target from some sort of style perspective. But let's talk about cargo shorts for a minute. Okay? <laughs> you don't need that many pockets, brother. You just don't. Listen, and But anyway, to, to directly answer the question, I got into Crocs because they are the ultimate camp shoe. You can, you can put a carabiner through the two straps and clip it onto your backpack, and they're... they're they're very lightweight. Uh, they don't make any noise when they like they're banging together on the outside of your pack, so they're not annoying in that way. Uh, it doesn't matter if they get wet at all. They can you can walk down a trail with just your you know you can get to camp at the end of the day and take off your boots and your socks and put your feet in your Crocs, and you got shoes on but your feet are airing out, and and um, they'll protect you from rocks and sticks and snakes and that kind of thing. So so that's how I got into them. Um, and they're just really comfortable. They they cover your whole foot, but they're not tight, so they don't like your feet get some air. Um, we don't like to wear shoes in the house from the garage. We have a lot of metal shaving stuff, and so they're they're really easy to kick off right by the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but really, why Crocs? I mean, like, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it's it seems like like I I not one to really throw stones in this glass house of mine because I wear like Puma driving shoes that I absolutely destroy that have no foot protection. But I really I was sitting down. I was like I can't think of a worse article of footwear like to have in the shop. And I know you got the one video where you make a steel toe single croc, but in the video you talk about like you're constantly pulling metal out of your foot or you're getting Megan to pull like you know pieces of metal out of your foot it's like that only has to happen to me once before I kind of learn my lesson like you just kind of stubbornly kept with it like uh, 
it's kind of pronounced by your weird inability to get into vehicles, right? Um, <laughs> you know, I try to have some style when I'm, yeah. when I'm uh, in my ingress procedure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a while ago, we had a gentleman by the name of Will Clavy who has a segment called uh, Exiting Cars Like a Badass Motherfucker. Um, (laughs) your entrance to cars is the exact polar opposite of that and i i will admit it it tickles me pink every time but then like you go in i think you were getting into the exonet or something you basically went ass over tea kettle but it's like and then there's the socks or there's the crocs like yeah why are you wearing the crocs they're not even steel toe like come on yeah (laughs) i mean i i where did the Let's kind of tackle this. I'll, I'll get off the cracks. I, I swear. I just, you know, it's like they just, it just like one of those things that just gets me. And maybe that's the whole point of it. Maybe you're like secretly trolling the rest of us. But like the ability to get into cars wrong does seem like a weird, messed up talent of yours. It's kind of like, uh, it's like a weird sort of like ballet that exists of like not being able to enter car. Is this a talent you've grown over the years or is this just like symptomatic of being a, a larger gentleman? Um, <laughs> you didn't just, think this question I, would be this deep. I, I know. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no it's cool. <laughs> um, I really like it when people on video and a lot of this, I, I re- well, I really like about top gear that they would have something crazy and expensive going on in the background, but they wouldn't really draw attention to it. And it would be like, so like Hammond is speaking in the foreground and they're at a shopping center. And in the background, a monster truck is driving over a car, but they're not, they're not, you know, an American TV show would be like, in the next 10 minutes, this monster truck is gonna drive over this car in this shopping center. And then they would say that to you like 50 times, and then there would be two minutes of action, commercial break, if you missed what was happening before the commercial. You know, it's like, for some reason, American TV feels the need to just tell you things over and over and over again. And I, I get why that is, because your attention is broken up by the commercial breaks. Uh, and so they have to, they feel like they have to re-educate you every uh, act break. And that bothers me. So I really like seeing stuff that is is weird and it never gets explained like nobody ever says he's about to get into the car i hope he doesn't do something weird <laughs> you know? um just do the weird thing don't comment on it let it be what it is if people understand it and they think it's amusing fine if they don't that's fine too you know um so i don't know i i just um so I, the I short like, answer is just let weird be weird i guess yeah, I like those moments. I feel like I feel like too much of of uh, of content is is concerned that you won't understand every moment of it. It's it is totally okay if you don't understand everything you see. In fact, I think those moments of, of uh, cognitive dissonance are good for us as humans. It's not necessary for us to understand everything that we see. Mm. If if we understand everything we're seeing, then we're not learning anything. And I'm not saying I'm teaching people stuff by being a goofball around cars, but, but, you know, I, I, I just enjoy those moments of, of being a little bit transmundane. Mm. Some big ass words for getting into car like a goofball, transmundane, <laughs> like cognitive dissonance. That's a good one. That, that was a good one. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> so, uh, I I really now want you to like get a like Bugatti like Chiron or something to review and just get into it like a complete asshat. Like that would just be like tickle me pink. Like just like oh I wonder if you could get in through the hatchback. That would be hilarious. Um, it would be my goal to do the un, if, if some if if Bugatti ever gave me a Chiron, which there's no way that they would. It would be my goal to annoy the shit out of them and make them <laughs> and make them kind of make them sorry that they let me do it because I would. I just watched uh, Harris's review, uh, Chris Harris driving the Chiron, and I mean, I understand it's a it's a it's an ultra mega super halo car, so so it's why wouldn't you speak of it with reverence? But that just that just fills me with the need to do something silly with it. <laughs> So were they ever to give me one, which they won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do think. Yeah. I, I do think there's a like similarity we all have here where like we have this appreciation for the cheap cars. So you said you got a bunch of projects sitting out there in the driveway right now. So what is in your current stable? Or your current fleet of vehicles? Well, we got the uh, the Exocet, of course. Uh, Megan's daily driver requires some attention from time to time. It's a 2010 Mazda 3, right? Mm-hmm. 2010? Yep. The old Forester. We got the gas- head gaskets back in that sucker. Wheel bearings and some other suspension stuff. I'm planning on selling that thing. And the 95 Chevy Suburban Tow Pig. Uh, which I think I'm going to sell it too, and then put the proceeds from that sale and the sale of the Forester into a newer Topeg slash DD. Because um, I would like to get it down to only three cars. So I think we're going to start a new sort of restoration project soon with a family car, and we'll need the space. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have five cars sitting around at this house. It's too many. What, what madness is this? Too many cars. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it is great that we have a two car garage, and it is it is it is unbelievable. Especially if you're going to own an open top, you know, car, you kind of have got to have a garage. But also, I don't want Megan to have to park out in the rain. I mean, we do own a home. I mean, the garage is there for a reason, you know. I just dropped my microphone somehow. That was fun. <laughs> a little hinge just decided to like suddenly pop loose on me. So that's that's a weird one. Uh, um, typical. Yeah. See, my tech, the, the the entire car show could basically be summarized as technical issues. Also, some cars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they plague us all. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, that makes it makes sense. So you, so I'm very much in the same boat. I got three cars, and there's two people who can drive them. So. And only two of those cars work, so it all works out. You just, you have to, uh, you know, have a little bit of space. And, like, but the thing is, like, I I think there's more of an appreciation of, I I don't know, are you the the kind of folks who, like, you'd rather go out and buy a $500 car and have fun with it for, like, a few months as opposed to going out and buying a $50,000 car and never touching it because it's too expensive to really, you know, put through its paces. And 
slightly leading question, Ike, but I think it's a good one. So, <laughs> Ike. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't anticipate we'll ever spend fifty grand on a car. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. but I mean, just... the, what I'm getting at is like you'd rather, you know, a car with a little miles and a little dings has character, whereas opposed yeah. to like a a Chiron or like a GTR or something like that, you would never feel really comfortable driving it around, even if it was a press car, I suppose. I really like putting the pedal all the way down, yeah. and I could never do that in a Chiron, so. This is true. You probably could once. Maybe once. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd have to buy some, like, $4,500 tires. Yeah. In the re- 16-inch wide tires or whatever they are. New shorts. Yeah. <laughs> and a clean pair of shorts. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Bugatti wouldn't make you wear a diaper in that car. They wouldn't even let you... They won't even let you touch it. I, I was at the New York Auto Show, and like they have like the little special like corn and off section, even a depressed one. And like all the other cars, you can get in and get out. And like that one, they're even like, don't you have to be like special to get back here, and only a certain amount of people at a time. And don't touch the cars. Each year, I touch the cars. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I make it a point just kind of go like poke. Like that's right, I did that. Um, yeah. So it's probably they probably fingerprint and be like. We have Ike's fingerprints on file. So, but kind of, <laughs> <laughs> but kind of <laughs> they're going to frame me for some sort of weird robbery. And that's why they told us not to touch it. Um, we're kind of like talking about the super expensive cars. You know, I'm very curious about what you two would do. Let's say Warren Buffett decides one day, he's listening to your podcast, and he goes, I really want to fund these two individuals, and I want to give them a budget to do a story or an episode or a video and for them to just do whatever they want with it um, you know basically with an unlimited budget is there something that you are like dying to do or really want to do and if money was no object you would get out there and do it you know video or car related wise giving me the the raised eyebrows Mm. getting ready to say he wants a Porsche (laughs) (laughs) you know I don't know well Mm -hmm. It depends on the parameters, but if I were given, uh, if somebody had a bunch of money, and I would say, okay, we need a camera crew, uh, we need we need a dozen or so drivers, and we need uh, each one of those people needs to buy a between fifteen hundred and twenty five hundred dollar Miata. And then they need to fit it with the Paco Motorsports uh, suspension kit so that they get a three-inch lift on 30-inch tires on a Miata. And then we're going to do the Transamerica Trail. That would be an unbelievable movie. You know about the Transamerica Trail? Yeah, it goes from, I'm trying to remember the starting point. It goes from Alaska, I want to say Anchorage up there, and it goes all the way down until like the southern tip of uh, South America. I'm trying you, to think. Yeah. And there's you're like, thinking of uh, the one that goes to Tierra del Fuego. That's like the uh, the Can-Am uh, whatever. But the Transamerica Trail is all dirt roads from Tennessee to uh, California. Oh, no, I was not aware it's of this. A, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a dual sport motorcycle guy thing. 
Like that's that's where it got popularized anyway. That's how I found out about it. Um, and you can these are all I guess they're like public roads with their fire roads or whatever you know what you would call double track um, but you can get this series of maps from this one dude and um, you start in Tennessee and you go out to California on all dirt roads uh, it would be amazing to do a like two or three week trip with everybody in lifted Miatas with 30 inch motors on them that would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, it would be really funny. You know what? We, we would have to go by Harbor Freight and get some super cheap winches, too, <laughs> just because we're probably going to get stuck at some point or another. I like the idea that you have an unlimited budget, but you're like, you know what? Harbor Freight winches, those are the highest quality winches. <laughs> yeah, you make a point, I guess. But I don't want to waste money. I mean, you know. And I think I think that Mr. Buffett would appreciate that. I mean, he's 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 not a money wasting kind of guy. This he lives is, in the same house in Omaha. He's lived in his entire life. This is true. Three thousand dollars on a Warren winch when I can get one for four fifty from <laughs> Harbor Freight. Right. <laughs> Just, I'm thinking of my investor here, buddy. Yeah. I'm trying mm-hmm. to appeal to my guy. Yeah, you, you know what? You're right. I never thought of it that way. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Megan, anything different? Anything else you would like to do with that money besides driving across a dirt road and a uh, soft-top convertible? I mean, to kind of distill it down to its basic point. I mean, it sounds amazing. It sounds really fun. Uh, yeah, roll bars. Now that you mentioned it, I think we need roll, roll bars. bars. Roll bars would be good. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I think you need a Volvo wagon chase vehicle. That's where I'm at with that. Uh, any, any, anytime you get through a Volvo wagon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I would um I would probably just add that we would need a nice bottle of wine at the end of every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need somebody helicoptered in. <laughs> well, that would be fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you have the money, helicopter yeah. buffet. Ooh, you could like even go to the nearest big town. That would be fun. That'd be a very expensive trip. Um, yeah. So, well, I think you can put a sommelier and a chef and a sommelier in the helicopter, and they they have a, a, a meal and a, a pairing for you each evening. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm picturing I'm picturing Gordon Ramsay in a like like big old what a Black Hawk helicopter with a kitchen in it trailing y'all. I think that'd be uh, interesting, and that in and yeah. itself could be an interesting video. Just Gordon Ramsay in a helicopter, like. Yeah. I'd w- I would watch that would be the part that airs on like American TV and it would be like coming up next on Gordon Ramsay in a helicopter and like eight jump cunts <laughs> yeah. like and he's then, a car guy too he, he might be into it I gotta add him to the uh, guest list idea then let me see here I don't let me see can I get rejected by Gordon Ramsay I just want a big old F no um the <laughs> I feel like rejection from Gordon Ramsay is as good as acceptance from Gordon Ramsay so um this being the podcast record of automotive stuff, um, we have a list of, um, I call them the Inside the Actor's Studio questions. Um, okay. These are kind of, these are questions that are, as Freddie Hernandez, you know, Travarish basically brought this up, but so we, we clarify this. As car enthusiasts, our answers for any of these questions could change at any point in the next second, minute, month, or year. So these are just as we sit uh, at the moment. So um, 
seeing as how uh, the proper parlance is to go ladies first, we're going to make uh, Jim go first so that way Megan has some more time to think. Seeing, so this is how this thing works. So um, it'll be fairly simple. We'll get into this fairly You'll you'll figure it out fairly quickly. So, um, what is your favorite car? Did we lose you, Jim? Oh, he's really thinking hard. No, oh. I'm thinking. Uh, you know, it's I I feel bad answering this way because I've never owned one, so I don't really know. Can I take a guess here? A nine nine eleven? Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, any particular type? A Carrera GT, GT three RS. Um, you know, obviously the the newer the nine nine one, you know, the GT three RS, obviously. But really, honestly, if if money's no object, I can have anything. I'll take the RS America from when I was a kid. You know, mm. I just thought that was so cool. Like they. They'll sell you a car that's got most of the stuff taken out of it. I know that it's dumb because they want more money for the car that's got less stuff in it, but I just dig it. No, I get I guess that. that was the 993 era RS America. See, I, I I will never understand German chassis codes for the life of me. German chassis <laughs> codes and Toyota in or not Toyota, but Japanese engine codes. Or like my kryptonite when it comes to car stuff. Like if you ever want to see my eyes go cross at like a car meet, like just see me over at like the German section. Be like, oh, this is a uh, E43 BMW. Uh, that means it was. Uh, it's got the engine in it, and I actually swapped in a uh, like two JZ motor, and my uh, my brain will just fucking explode. Like that's how that works. <laughs> like, like oh my god, like I like cars, dude, but you need to like calm yourself. Like, like yeah. Like, just tell me the year and the make and the model, and I'm, I'll figure it out from there. Maybe a liter. Like, this is a 2.2 well, liter. an interesting swap because, you know, the BMWs are historically the i6 motors, and the 2J is a, is a 6, inline 6, so mm -hmm. it could be an interesting. I'm sure somebody's done that. I'm sure they have, too, and they probably try to explain it to me, and my eyes probably just went like, <laughs> Yeah. I bet there are a bunch of E30s out there with two J's in them. Uh, I don't even know what that means. Is that like a sedan? Who makes that? Who makes an E30? Like, what is that? Is that a Mercedes? The I don't E30 know. E30 is the sort of currently the quintessential car guy uh, BMW because you know front engine, rear drive, relatively lightweight. You can get a two door model, uh, and it's the three series. Um, you know, some people say they're underpowered, but mm -hmm. you know. During in their day they weren't, mm -hmm. uh, but now they are kind of. Mm -hmm. But see, this is what I'm talking about. I need like it's a three series from like 2002 to 2006, and I'll go, oh okay, I know what that is. Like, I think that would be an E36. Uh, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a BMW guy. I don't know. Might not be right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, 993 era Porsche RS America. Mm -hmm. So Megan, what is your favorite car? Not an STI, just a normal Subaru WRX? Mm, STI, yeah. Yeah, STI. Gotta go STI. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I mean obviously. So, uh, yeah. If you don't get STI, they won't let you do your... You, they won't, you don't get the free vape pen. <laughs> you're not allowed to attend the grid life. <laughs> I hate on it. 
funny. <laughs> so random thing happened to me earlier. I was going through a drive-thru. I own a Ford Fiesta ST. I go up to oh. the drive-thru, and the person at the drive-thru says, ask me a question about the car. I see him head hanging out the window, and he's like, oh, how much uh, did you get this for? And, you know, I'm like, well, how much do these things go for? And I, I sit there, and I, you know, talking to him about it for a bit, and he goes, uh, I'm thinking about getting a STI, and I go, oh, okay, and I, I tell him, you know, I assume he's working at McDonald's, so not making a bunch of money. So I explained to him about the Sabaru and, like, how you can get, like, basically WRX, but for less money, blah, blah, blah. And then I pull forward, and then I have the realization of this person may not know what the hell I'm talking about because I think they assume my ST was a lesser version of an STI. Like, because yeah. I, I, like, I, as I was pulling away, I, like, saw the eyes glazed over, like, when I talk chassis, when you talk chassis code just now, like I felt that happening to me too. I'm like, oh, they didn't have any idea what I was talking about, so I was just talking and like it, nothing was sinking in. Like understood. So, but I don't know. Maybe imparted some wisdom to the young man. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but yeah. So, what is your least favorite car then? Touch mm -hmm. me on. Oh, that was an easy one. They didn't even you take know, a second uh, with that one. There were just some really awful cars in the 80s. Uh, you know, people talk a lot about the malaise era. Yeah. Um, when I was, I guess, like 17 or 18, my stepdad had a like a Chevrolet Citation or something like that. Just miserable. Everything about it was miserable. <laughs> the, the seats were awful. Or like, uh, like Reliant. Uh, the K cars, just awful, awful cars from when I was a kid. I I despise those. <laughs> um, yeah, those are my least favorite. Mm. Is there a particular K car you hate over all the rest of the K cars? I guess it would have to be the Reliant K. Um, my dad had one as a company car, and it was it was even like taupe. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> horrifying I mean the only thing that it the only thing that it did was it would move human beings technically it would move human beings from one spot to another but it would be utterly uninspired during the trip and they would arrive actually a little bit dumber than they were when they left <laughs> well just like the fumes coming out yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so what is your favorite automotive like modification trends. So we're talking um, like Donk, Brodozer, Stance, you know, Rallied, like um, Race Prep, like any of the modification trends you kind of see out there in this day and age. Or I guess any day and age. We don't need to qualify it with time because anything that happened in the past can happen now. And if you know anything in the future, that's just magic. So. You know, I as far as just aesthetics, the rally aesthetic is pretty cool looking. I mean, you know, because they'll often do like um, they'll do white wheels, um, and like it's a really cool looking. It's a cool looking car, but I, I definitely do like cars that I feel like, you know, uh, they've been raced, 
they try to keep it clean, but you can't really keep a race car clean. You know, like it's got some scratches on it. It's got some wear on it. Um, that's that's my favorite aesthetic is a, is a racing car that you can tell has actually been raced. You know, like they pick up little pieces of little rubber marbles get flung onto the car and they leave a little black streak. Yeah. And you can never get that off. And that, that's just... That's just a really cool looking aesthetic. And rally rally cars are really cool looking, but I don't I've never done a rally and I don't plan to ever rally. I just like the <laughs> I just like the look of the cars. I guess it's because of the white wheels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know that uh, I'm gonna probably say the Japanese word wrong, but uh Bosozuki, do you know about that? Um, it's like the one where it's like super exaggerated because I know there's a couple yeah. of trains, yeah, where like they have like the giant exhaust pipes and all that. I love those exhaust pipes. I mean, it is so ridiculous. It's so cool. And I learned about it from a fellow Lemons car. There was a Lemons car that had exhaust pipes that were like Z-shaped. And then like they had these really crazy like motorcycle style tips on them. And uh, that is just so dumb. I love it. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I, I some of the drift stuff I think is pretty cool. Like when they put the oil cooler like drift stitching a car like you, you've torn the bumper and you do a drift stitch on it with zip ties and then you just zip tie the oil cooler to the front of the car because you don't care yeah. you know that's that's a pretty cool aesthetic too uh maybe I don't have anything to add to that I like all those things too yeah I just answered the question like six times though right. so sorry honey it always makes me laugh when I see cars with the suspension that goes up and down I mm. do kind of like that Oh, you mean like an air ride? Like you can kneel the car kind of thing? No, when you go to Caffeine and Octane and the cars go by. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you mean like a West Coast? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool. Like the uh, cars that go like hop in the air? What the heck is that called? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, like 16 yeah, yeah, switches, yeah. Uh, like a 65 Impala that's got yeah, there, and hop. There's like a term for that. There's like low rider like popping or like, what is that? I can't remember what the hell that's called. Oh, that's gonna drive me yeah. nuts. There's a specific phrase for that, and now that's gonna drive me absolute bonkers. So while while that drives me bonkers, I try and come up with something else. Uh, the uh, next question is, uh, what's your least favorite modification trend? Least favorite modification. Yeah, so so we don't we what we try to say here is we try to say we're donk friendly because you know if you're into your car and you modify it, you know. You're enjoying vehicles, so we appreciate that as automotive enthusiasts. But at the end of the day, there's just some modifications where your personal taste, you look at and go, yeah, I would never do that to my car. Spinners. Stancing. Stancing is a popular no-go zone. You know, I you know I I think that's probably because of the the sample, you know the the sample not the sample size but the samples of people that you're inviting on the cast are, are probably, you know more racing inspired and when you look at a stanced car as somebody who races cars you're just like, that is not going to perform very well, <laughs> you know but that's not the point, I mean you know so they're 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 welcome to do what, but when I look at a stanced car I'm like, man you are ruining those tires. <laughs> yeah, right. so that's, you're gonna get ten thousand miles out of those, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, when it's like driving like all the way up, like so much camber, it's driving all the way up on the edge of the tire. It's like, mm, don't understand that. Yeah. yeah. And like a 205 series tire stretched over an 8-inch, you know, wheel. Yeah. So that it's all weird looking and, I don't know, hey, it's your car. You do what you want. It's awesome. It, that, that's kind of how I look at it. It's like you're like, you know, it, it it's very much, uh, maybe this is a not the best analogy, but it's kind of like the, you know, love is love. Like, I'm not going to harsh on you, loving, you know, who you want to love. But uh, that's just not for me. Like, that's not the way I I roll. Like, so, like, you do what you yeah, want to do. Yeah, yeah. would be the, the modification you are least likely to do to one of your own cars. Exactly. Like, and that stancing would be the least likely, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so what car do you dre- dread being stuck behind at a red light? Hmm. Huh. Yeah. You roll up to a red light. There's a, you know, there's two lanes in front of you, and one of those lanes has this car in it, and the other one has basically anything else. You're always going to go to that anything else light lane, or you roll up I and. Want, hmm. Don't want to have to look at. There are a couple of cars that I think are so visually repulsive that I don't want my eyeballs to have to look at them. Um, PT Cruiser. Uh, the Chevrolet HHR, um, the uh, the Prowler, the Plymouth Prowler, horrifying, <laughs> horrifyingly ugly car. Mm-hmm. Uh, truck, me. Yeah. That well, is... with the garbage truck though, like an actual turd might fly out and land on you. Mm-hmm. That's a new one, and that's remarkably practical, especially given the exoset that you will be building. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to be turned into Biff Tannen, I suppose. Is that the guy from... Yeah. Not really. Right. Yeah, I yeah. made a movie reference. That's very rare on this show. Um, yeah. <laughs> we miss you, Bill Paxton. You're one of the greats. Was he in... Was he Biff? See, this is, again, where I'm showing my lack of knowledge on things. He wasn't Biff. Who was Biff? Was that Bill Paxton? Uh, he was Chet, wasn't he? Or no? See, this is why movie references never come up on the show. Because it's like, I don't know things. So, um, let me see here. Uh, lost my train of thought here. Um, well, not my train of thought. Ironically, my place in my little notes here. What automotive sound or noise do you love? Like, a example would be, like, a lot of people say engine noise or, like, you know, they enjoy the sound of, like, working on a vehicle. They, like, you know, impact wrench. Or sometimes it's a very specific, you know, type of racing they enjoy hearing, like, uh, or like a supercharger, like winding, stuff like that. Or like even screeching of tires. Like, it is hard to argue with the sound of a fully tuned, completely uncorked race car at Road Atlanta. You know, it's just our local tracks that were there more, probably more often than any other track. But a proper racing car, like modern um, sequential shift, you know, like paddle shift, listening to the the gear change, which is, you know, it's probably like a hundred milliseconds gear change, but just that sort of like popping noise when they change the gears. Mm-hmm. I love that. It is it is unbelievable, and I also really like. Um, like the sound of those motors on overrun you know when there's that when they're cracking and popping and uh 
the Exoset does that actually. Uh, it'll it'll burble a little bit on Overrun, but uh, you know all that is kind of being adulterated now because all these new cars they're piping the sound of the motor into the cabin, and it doesn't even doesn't even correspond to the actual motor in the car. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, like a, a a big old race motor shifting up through the gears, cracking and popping, and you know backfiring on Overrun. I mean, uh, it's hard to beat that. Mm. Great, it's mine too. Mm. Yeah. So, what is your autom your least favorite automotive noise? A lot of people here say stuff like, uh, you know, brake squeal or the sound of a head gasket popping, or uh, you know, a line breaking. Uh, sometimes it's like the fart cans on a Honda, you know, particular type of exhaust. A you know. The whistles that go woo woo, stuff like that. Right. Know? Yeah. Bub rub. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, it was Thomas F. Wilson who played Death Cannon. Oh, um, okay. I don't know who that is uh, either. So. Any kind of whine. Usually a whine is bad. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. Belt. That kind of thing? Yeah, or like a, like an idler gear is getting ready to go. You can hear the, you can hear the bearing getting ready to get. They're getting all crunchy on you. Those yeah. are bad noises. Um, you know, when, like, your water pump pulley is getting crappy and it's making, like, a sort of a chittering sound or uh, ticking, you know, <laughs> lifter ticking, rod knock is a bad noise. I mean, <laughs> you know, there are lots of bad noises. Mm -hmm. This is true. Of the rear windows being down and the front windows being up. Yeah. When you're, yeah. Right. Again, that's a new one, and that one is actually probably like one of the worst, like, like the most painful noise to actually have because that hurts the living crap out of my ears. So. It really is painful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right now. This question, this is takes a little bit of setup here. So, um, I'm going to give you a choice. It's two different versions of this question for the for both of you. So, I'm going to give you two vehicles. You're not allowed to modify them, and you have to drive them as you're a daily driver uh, for the rest of your time. And you're not allowed to modify them beyond how they've already been modified. So, James, for you, you can take on this while I explain the cars to Megan after this. So. James, for you, you have to choose between a uh, Porsche 993-911-RS America, but it's been stanced to within an inch of its life. <laughs> or you can have a uh, taupe-reliant K car, but it's somehow both uh, Buzaki and rally-raced prepped. So it's got giant <laughs> exhaust pipes on it, but it's also been, like, you know, set up on big knobby tires, and it's the things ready to race. Uh, Megan, for you, you have to choose between a WRX STI, but it's rolling on the most ridiculous spinners one can imagine. So picture like teddy bear spinners, or um, a, a low rider with hydraulics Dodge Neon. Uh, <laughs> and just for shits and giggles, we're going to strap a boombox into the back seat, and that's your head unit. <laughs> That is your car from now until the end of your days. That's what you get. You're not allowed to. It's your new daily driver. That's what you get. So, uh, 
James, did we give you enough time to think about your decision here? Yeah, man, give me the K car. Give me the <laughs> Bosuzuki rally prep K car because I mean, hate on people. I got my style. <laughs> and if it's truly rally prep, then it'll have some grunt on it, and it'll be it'll be fun off road, and the pipes will be totally crazy, and people will see me going down the road, and they'll be like, "There goes an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> This yeah, is I'm, I'm into that more than I'm into um, just destroying the aesthetic of a, a an RS America with the stance. I bet you when we started this podcast, you didn't think at the end of it you'd be like, you know what? Give me the Reliant K car, even though it's Topaz <laughs> or Tope. Um, nope. Megan, for yourself. Mm-hmm. I feel like yours is a little bit more difficult because you got two basically very good cars one has some awesome hydraulics on it and the other one has some ridiculous spinners so yeah i might uh i might go with the with the uh neon actually as long as depending on the color hmm well, let me see here um i'm gonna guess your least favorite color is pastel green so we're gonna put that on there Oh, come on. <laughs> if it's if it's easy, then it's not fun. That, that's how this works. That's how entertainment works. Come on. Now it's like getting into a car with, you know, your head first. Uh, you know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's I got... I don't think I can live with the shame of the <laughs> I get that. And, you know, at the end of the day, unless you're driving around with a Rolls Royce, uh, there's no reason why when you're moving, the hubcap should be still. And when you're still... They should be moving. So, um, yeah. now, by the way, I've been saying it wrong. It's Bosa Zoku. Bosa Zoku. Bosa Zoku. Uh, hi, Arigato. Like, I, that's, yeah, that's all the Japanese I know. Bosa Zoku. Bosa Zoku? Yeah, that sounds about right. And let me try this again. Hex, Exoset. See, I'm learning pronunciation today. You see? Yeah, we're, yeah we're, eventually I'll learn English good or other words good. I don't know what Exoset is. Is that technically English? Who knows? It's car guy talk. And then soon I'll be talking chassis codes and engine codes, and it'll all be great. Um, oh, my God. I, I have a Audi engine, and I'm having to learn engine code from the Audi engine, and it's driving me nuts. So, um, uh, crazy. So, we're over time. It's super late. I don't mean to keep you all up too late here. So, um, we're going to end this with the uh, most important question, I think, that's ever asked on any automotive podcast perhaps any podcast in the history of time. Um, and I sent this into research questions out to you. So I hope you've had plenty of time to think about this. Uh, no pressure, but a very, very important question. Um, what's the hardest food to eat while driving? Mm. Yeah. Oh, cereal. See, cereal's a good go-to. People, people go with the cereal, but, you know... Um, if the uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia has taught us anything, you, it is possible. It is messy. I will give you that, but I think I think it's doable. Again, this turn. It, it is not possible to arrive at work with clean scrubs while eating cereal. Mm. Yeah, I'm going sushi. Mm-hmm. Oh, sushi's too. Again, this is what this typically turns into: is stupid shit Ike's done in cars. So I've done, <laughs> I have done both of those things, and I will put the. Well, I need to come up with like a scale on this one. It's like my like Ike stupometer. Um, 
sushi is super easy because you just pick it up and you just even with the chopsticks. I've driven a manual car. I've driven my actually this was a Volvo C30. So I drove in my Volvo C30 with the sushi in the center console. And you can, like, upshift with the chopsticks in your hand, but grab a sushi, shove it in your mouth, and keep driving with one hand on the wheel. I mean, come on now. Come on. <laughs> was it a Polaris, though? Huh? Was it a Polaris? Well, or a Pol- Polestar? Yeah, it, that's what they call it. It had, uh, it was the R design. So it was, it had the handling package that the um, Polestar had, but it didn't have the engine management upgrade. So it was... It had no hor- it had two hundred and fifty horsepower and you could feel every bump on the road. So Yeah. Yeah. See I like those pull stars. Oh, they are awesome. Hey, quit trying to get on my good side here, Jim. That's just not gonna get hey. you out of your bad answer. So uh <laughs> the serial is more messy, I'll give you that, but it I have driven you need the knee and I will say it isn't it's probably hard to arrive at work without making a mess with the serial. That is true, especially if you have to go to a traffic light. And I think it depends a lot on the serial. What serial in particular are we talking about? What's the hardest serial to drive with? Oh, I don't know. I pretty much only eat one kind. Mm. Oatmeal squares. That, like, do you just hate fun? Like, oatmeal squares? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was expecting, like, cereals or something like, or... Actually, you know what's the worst cereal? And I don't care if they, like, have an issue with this. Uh, Kix is the worst cereal on the planet. Like, I don't know I don't know what Kix is made out of. It's like hatred in a ball. Like, I don't know, like, kid-tested, mother-approved. Like, no, those things are awful, and you should feel bad for trying to foist that stuff onto children. Bad. Bad. <laughs> bad. Funny. Yeah. So bad I, I, I have some weird issues with Kix. Um, oatmeal squares. Yeah, I'll give it to you because if it's like the shredded kind of oatmeal that kind of falls apart and makes a mess, I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one. I'm, I'm going to need a better answer, though, Jim. I'm going to need something else besides sushi. Unless you could come up with a very particular type of sushi that would be hard to eat while driving. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think it would be uh, probably pretty hard to eat a steak. Mm, so two hands to cut it unless you're just going to unless you're some kind of savage and you're just going to grab the steak in your hands and gnaw off a hunk of it mm-hmm. which I mean if you're if you're hungry carry on but I mean like to eat a, a steak like a like a grown normal human being where you need a knife and a fork mm-hmm. that is challenging mm-hmm. well, you couldn't even have a glass of wine either I mean that's illegal I'm pretty sure that's true that's that's we call that the Patrick Sandell here because that was his answer and I let him slide with it because he's got, like, dreamy eyes and you get lost in them. Oh, don't. <laughs> so, so Jim, as an aside here, since we're friends, uh, don't let Megan around Patrick Sandell. She will get lost in his eyes and, like, be his for forever. It, like, I'm sitting there on the sofa with him. I'm like, I'm lost in your, like, beautiful blue eyes, Patrick. I don't know what I'm doing with interviewing you. It's like, I got to go. Like, so. Uh, I'll be in my bunk. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I get the Firefly reference. See that? That I get. Uh, 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 he's a he's a dream dream man. Love my wife very much. But if Patrick was like, let's run away together, I'd be like, there'd be a beat. Tell yeah. me what car we're in, and I'll yeah. tell you yes or no. You know, <laughs> he was slightly dreamier when he was racing for Ford Motor Company, but now that he's in that Subaru, and he's, I don't think I'd do it now. Not a big Subaru, you know, fan girl. Um, so I mean, yeah, I said what I meant. Um, <laughs> so folks, 
Uh, it's late. It's Sunday. Uh, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me. I've kept you up very late, and I'm sure you got important jobs to go to in the morning. So um, tell us where we can find you on the uh, Internet. You know, it's a wonderful series of tubes. Your social media and where we can find your YouTube and your podcast. Well, our website is crossthreaded.us. And Jim does a really good job of making sure that all of our social media stuff is kept up to date on there. Um, and he, we do Twitter, and we're X-Threaded on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think we're at X, or I think we're X-Threaded on Instagram, too. Mm. Yeah, one of them were X-Threaded Show. Uh, just looking now. As you can, yeah, on Twitter, we're X-Threaded Show. And I think on Insta we are just extra, but it's all on our website, uh, crossthreaded.us. It's really mm-hmm. easy to find YouTube, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right there. Mm-hmm. And however you're listening to this podcast, you can of course go over and search for Crossthreaded and listen to Jed and Megan talk about racing tractors or interviewing great guests like uh, the uh, <laughs> Bad Motorsports guys, which. Uh, I think we reached out to them at around the same time, and I think they got a bit confused on that. Uh, and then uh, oh, yeah. Jay Lamb was another good one. Uh, so, you know, we've had some wonderful guests on there, and uh, you really should go check it out because there's been some great interviews. And um, I'm a little jealous you got to interview the bad Obsession Motorsports guys. I'm a big fan of their work, as you all are. And, um, yeah, go. Li- I, I think that's a perfect entry point there is. Go listen to the uh Bad Obsession Motorsports guys, and then Project Binky, for those of you who know that from the YouTube series. And then there's a episode, I think it's uh, something about, like, we make racing cheaper. I think that's another good point of entry. Do you have, like, another favorite um, for our episode you think people should go listen to? Oh, well, you know, I mean, um, it was great to get to interview uh, Ryan Diol, mm-hmm. uh, the IMSA driver. Uh, Sarah Montgomery was really great. Um she is driving in uh, Pirelli World Challenge now, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, so it's great to get to talk to proper racing drivers, but we've been lucky to talk to, uh, you know, engineers. Kevin Patrick, the guy that started uh, Exomotive. Uh, Warren Van Nuss, one of his lead engineers for a long time. Uh, Keith Tanner from Flying Miata, although I don't think his interview has gone live yet. But um, Just either way. We're equally interested in talking to you know, people on the engineering side, people with, you know, that sort of background, but also racing drivers, and, uh, you know, it's, um, you can't go wrong. We're, we're, we're really like talking to those folks and learning something. Mm-hmm. And with a wonderful southern hospitality twist and this wonderful husband and wife chemistry you both got going on. So uh, I want to thank you two so much for joining me this evening. I'm going to ask you just to hang on. I'll say goodbye to you all there. And, uh, Everyone listening, we'll be right back with you. Again, Jim, Megan, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Thanks for having us. Yeah, our pleasure. All right, and we are going to go on break. All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Make sure to go check out Cross Threaded. Make sure if you like what you hear, you check out uh, our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. It's all at Untitled Car Show. Um, Make sure to go get a T-shirt from Track Monkey Apparel. It really supports the show. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a good night. Have a good evening, wherever you are, whatever time it is there. Thanks again for listening. Please be safe out there.